Round one. Fight. Heroes never die. I'm Commander Shepard, and this is my favorite store on the Citadel. <laughs> I used to be an adventurer like you. Then I took an arrow in the knee. Power, sex, sex, power. They both come down to one thing. Hungry Gamers. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 328th episode of the Hungry Gamers podcast. We are powered by 8bit.net and those sexy legends over at Audio Technica. Go upgrade your audio game today over at audiotechnica.com. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan8Bit. And joining me tonight on this Friday edition of the Hungry Gamers podcast, my podcast ride or die-die. You can find him on them socials at Jono himself. He's the Matt Damon to my Ben Affleck. Jono, Australia's finest. How the bloody hell are you? I knew we were going for the Matt and Ben thing there. But uh, yeah, very good. Just watched Air. For listeners out there, it is on Amazon after just leaving the cinema, which is pretty, pretty funny that it's just landed on the stream so quickly. But it's worth a watch. Completely agree. Yeah, it yeah. is well worth your time. And the great thing is, it's not hidden behind a paywall on Amazon either. So it's not a sort of pay and rent at home type of thing. It's just chuck it on and have a great old time about the origin story of Michael Jordan and Nike. It's uh, it's great. Cast is good, like you said. The soundtrack is a banger, and it's just a good. Very informative, very entertaining. About two hours, I think. Yeah, Chris Tucker too. Yeah, always good to see Chris Tucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and one of the Wayans brothers randomly in there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah great cast. But uh, yeah, we're not here to talk about uh, no. Air Jordans and, and other no. types of uh, sneaker freaker mentality. We're here to talk about video games, and I guess we can start things off as is tradition here on THG and talk about what we've been doing over the past seven days or so, Jono. Tell me the things. What have you been doing, my friend? Uh, as you know, I've been playing Jedi Survivor. Finished that. Did the spoiler cast with our friend uh, Zach from uh, News to Reviews. So 8-bit listeners can check that out on the feed if they haven't already. It's a First great half, listen. I've listened to it always. in full. It is yes. very entertaining, especially the debate about whether it's Bode or Bodhi. <laughs> it is uh, worth the price of admission alone just to hear that back and forth banter as you guys struggle over remembering wow. the, so- yeah. the film title that is Point Break. <laughs> it's also, is it Break Point or Point Break? Yeah, we, we're having a rough time there with that one. But uh, So you, you listen to the whole thing and you haven't finished the game yet, so I guess you just spoiled everything for yourself. Pretty much, pretty much. But you know, I'm a professional. I wanted to get that podcast out swiftly. You guys had it recorded on... Respect. The Monday, I think, and it was out on the Tuesday. It was. Bam, bam, bam. Efficient. Took one, took one for the team. Much respect. So, yeah, f- finished Jedi Survivor, put the lightsaber away, got out the Master Sword, and um, jumped into Tears or Tears of the Kingdom. <laughs> it's Tears, uh, damn it! I, I deeply regret tweeting out that because um, Gene Park from the Washington Post like quote tweeted it, and then I had like every random person on the internet thinking they were the first person to tell me that it's tears and if you play the game you'll see that so just play the game and you'll realize that it's obviously tears but it's also both because it's a double meaning okay i'm sure that they did that intentionally but uh yeah i'm I'm playing zelda uh which i i guess makes me like the eight bit representative to talk about this game yeah you're the outlier amongst (laughs) the three of us because yeah neither myself nor ali at time of recording have played a lick of tears of the kingdom but mm. jp you've uh, taken one for the team 
I have. I'm uh, I knew that I was going to play it because it's one of those releases that everyone's going to be talking about. And I liked Breath of the Wild. I played it a couple years late because I was pretty late to the Switch. But I have pretty much not touched my Switch since Pokemon Sword and Shield. So I knew, like you know, that was one of my New Year's eight bit resolutions to mm-hmm. play two games on the Switch. So I've played one now. Um, I'm probably only five to ten hours in so still very much scratching the surface of Hyrule and the skies above but loving it uh it's definitely everything that people are saying um does it run well it run like it runs (laughs) (laughs) i guess that's a relative term right because that hardware in comparison to the the current consoles and pc it's it's night Mm. and day yeah and and you lower your, your standards when it's Nintendo, let alone an art style that is stylized in the way that it is. It, it kind of gets away with it for me. I, I haven't been sitting there feeling like the frame rate needs to be more or that the draw distance needs to be more. You kind of just, you know, I'm playing it in handheld half the time and you don't really notice the same issues that you would if you were playing, you know, Jedi Survivor on a massive screen and looking for all the drops from 60 to 40 frames per second or whatever people are upset about. So yeah, it's a great game. It's um, just probably the, the thing that, that I've enjoyed the most is the way that you can approach puzzles however you see fit. And sometimes it's like, I know this isn't the right way to do it, but I can't think of what else to do. So I'm just going to see if this works and it didn't work. So I'll try again. And then you finally get there. You kind of... Um, MacGyver your way through the, the, the <laughs> temple puzzles and you're like, you know, you might get to the end and be like, okay, now I'm going to look up the, the proper way to do it and it's something way simpler that you just didn't realize was possible and you go, okay. But looking around like the internet at what people are doing in this game is very overwhelming. I, I've had a hard time kind of psyching myself up to to progress through the game and thinking like, Am I going to get taught how to build these wild contraptions at some point, or are these people just freaks of nature when it comes to uh, using the the mechanics and physics that the game has put in front of you? Because some of the stuff, as as you would have seen, is just absolutely mental, isn't it? Yeah, I think um, I think I'm I'm in the exact same mindset. Like you mentioned, sort of, it's a little intimidating or a little bit daunting, like. Maybe that's why I'm a little frozen and hesitant to jump into because I see so many amazing clips on Instagram or TikTok or, or Twitter of people within our circle or just the broader gaming community doing crazy things with all types of little mechanisms and devices and making things that can fly and drive and shoot fire out of penis looking devices that they've made <laughs> on statues. And like the world is lit- your literal oyster in Tears of the Kingdom. And I love that, but I think because there is no pulling back of the reins to sort of get you back in line a little bit, like you can do whatever you please. And I think maybe that scares me a bit. I like a little bit of linearity. I like a bit of handholding occasionally. And because there's none of that in this game, I'm just like, oh, I don't know where to start. But mm. I will eventually, just not today or tomorrow. <laughs> no, you've got uh, much bigger and better fish to fry let's talk about what you've been oh my god i don't i don't know about better fish or bigger fish it's certainly a fish that i've been frying it's like a uh, dirty old carp yeah if we're gonna 
we're going to sort of use a fish analogy here, like, and, and anyone that's caught a carp in their life knows that you can't catch and release. You've got to kill the carp and then get rid of it. However you see after that. But um, yeah, fish, fish discussions aside, I have been working my way through Lord of the Rings Gollum uh, done by Daedalic Entertainment. I've been playing it on the Xbox. I'm yet to finish the game. The game from what I can see runs about 13 hours from start to finish. I've put around seven hours in and that feels like it's six and a half hours too much. <laughs> like this game is not good. It is not good in any way, shape or form. Like I am such a fan of Tolkien. I'm such a fan of the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit and just that broader fantasy universe that he's created. And so I had a tiny sprinkling of optimism when this game was first announced. Also a sprinkling of confusion as to why this game was going to get made in the first place. <laughs> and then leading up to release and you see the trailers and the gameplay and the, the dev diaries where they're trying to sort of feign enthusiasm and hype behind this thing. And so my, my sale was, uh, was full of holes and wet as it was sort of coming into port here. And yeah, got my hands on the game. Uh, was provided a key, thankfully, because if I paid for this game, I would be seeking a refund immediately. But it's just, it's dated, it's hollow. The voice work is weird and also super, super annoying. Gollum doing his Gollum noises and then also being in earshot of like orcs and stuff doing their orky noises. There's no sort of real depth of field with some of the sound at times. So it was just like this concussion like tone going through my ears of like the precious and born precious. And it was just like over and over. And like, there's a lot of precious references. Obviously that is, that is Gollum's wheelhouse right there. But the game is, is not a good time. You spend the first half of the game in a very, bland dull orc run mine area and it's mm. just the texture pops were were constant the the frame rate was inconsistent there was a lot of judder and the fact that in this first half of the game Gollum has like no abilities really he's got a smeagol sense which makes me laugh hysterically that they've called <laughs> it the smeagol sense where you tap l1 or lb and you can sort of uh you know see paths and get a little bit of like a Echo, echoes. What's what's the word that bats? Echo, echo location. Echo location. Yeah. So it's got that sort of sense to it where you can sort of pop this button and get an idea of where you got to go. Because for the most part, in these seven hours, I'm pretty much just like go from there to here. Maybe grab something or do something. Rinse and repeat. There's no real change to the gameplay loop. You you're cantering along. You can occasionally run a little faster, and then you're jumping and climbing, jumping and climbing around this very copy-paste repetitive environment and it sucks man it is not good like it's rated 40 on metacritic and i even feel that that's probably 10 to 15 too high like wow. it is one of the worst games i've played in a good long while and the fact that um this game has come out in 2023 where it feels like it would look right at home on a playstation 2 yeah i was i was gonna be a little bit more generous and say ps3 but you know. <laughs> Maybe, maybe I'm a little harsh because I'm a little sensitive here because, uh, you know, Gollum, Gollum has uh, taken my time away this week and I want it back, you it, little it, bastard. It looks like, yeah, it looks like a, like, you know, a PC game from 2007 or something. Like it, it, I can't believe the character model look like for the, the hero of the game that they could have put 
all that eff- extra effort into because you're going to be looking at him for the duration of the whole game, and he still looks terrible, like by modern standards. Yeah, the, the the character model of Gollum, especially like you mentioned, JP, the fact that he is the the hero, the anti-hero, the villain, however you want to classify this character as, he is who you are seeing through your entirety of the playthrough, and the model is just really lacking. And I know the character model that we've seen translated to to film and things like that now isn't overly detailed, but it feels like a step behind from the CGI that Peter Jackson and co. did decades ago. It's been 22 years since the first movie. (laughs) Well, 20 20 years since the two towers that he was in. Like, that's ridiculous. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Like, like we we, we know artists in 3D modelling who could do that. You think they could probably do that in, like, a couple of days or something. Yeah, it, it feels... It feels like they were just given this game has to come out by you know the the back end of May, no ifs or buts. Daedalic Entertainment, that's it. That's when your funding is running out to have it done by that time. So whatever you get done by then, that's it. You know, pens down. So uh, the game came out. I don't really know Daedalic Entertainment. I haven't really existed in their broader portfolio before, so I can't uh, say if this is sort of an outlier or consistent with what they've brought out in the past, but. The game itself just is so lacking and it's so dated in just some of the concepts. Like the game, there's moments where you're just going from cutscene to cutscene where you'll have a a pretty low rendered cutscene and then it'll shift into another one, like a brief loading screen into another one. You'll do a small animation or a small pull this lever cutscene, do something else cutscene. So it's really jarring where super yeah. stop start, super antiquated and nostalgic for all the wrong reasons it feels like a game from (laughs) decades ago and not in a positive way like it is (laughs) it's rough the design of the game is so poor the graphics very rough the source material like they could have done some cool stuff as far as fleshing out this story but like i just didn't find myself caring like i love the films love the books got all the books got all the films but yeah, this game was just hurting me with every minute that ticked by, and I'm like, no, I'm done. I think I feel I gave it too much time. Yeah, and I'm def- done. You definitely did. I, I can't. I, life's too short to play bad games, and um, you've put like almost a full day into it, like yeah. seven hours. The, the thing that baffles me is that there's not a ton of Middle Earth, Tolkien, Lord of the Rings games out there, like. There's a couple big AAA ones. There's a couple probably smaller like strategy games or stuff that probably goes under the radar. But to get a game from, you know, the Tolkien estate or whatever, whoever owns the rights to that, it's not an, I, w- I wouldn't think that it's an easy thing to get. Otherwise, we would see, you know, Ubisoft or Take-Two or someone grabbing onto that and, and pumping out some, you know, some solid titles. So for this smallest studio to just get it and crap it out with yeah. this turd is just really bizarre it's almost like the there must be a story behind this that jason Schreier is gonna have to like dig into how this game <laughs> came about just to get that deal across the line for this game to exist it's almost like you know when they, they used to crap out those um movies to to like retain the ip of like you know fantastic four or, or whatever it is and it, yeah. it, it makes me think like is there something like that going on here I think you could be very much on the money and it might not come out in the wash for, for months or, or years to come yet as far as, you know, how did Lord of the Rings, Gollum, come to be? Because 
we were really spoiled with what Warner Brothers did with you know Shadow of Mordor in yeah. 2014 and, and then the sequel where the Nemesis system is one of the greatest new game mechanics that, that's been introduced in the last decade. It's mm. annoying that they've patented that. Very smart of them to patent it as well. But like those games were so, so good. And then yeah. we get this turd of a game in Gollum, which is so, so bad. So we've gone from the highs and highs of book slash film adaptations to gaming and then we've gone to the low point with Gollum and I feel a little dirty. I feel like I, I'm I feel like I might not resemble Gollum on the outside right now, but internally I feel that way. <laughs> I feel very broken and I'm fighting with split personalities where I've got Gollum and Smeagol warring with my brain as far as what have I done? I've done a good thing because I played this code and then I've done a bad thing because I've wasted the time and I don't like being in this position, JP. No. Help me. It's not good. I, I release you, Brendan. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, throw this game into Mount Doom, please. Burn this game out of my brain so I cannot play it ever again. But uh, yeah, I would not recommend this to even the uh, the mightiest of Tolkien or Lord of the Rings fans. And unless you find a copy free somewhere, you trip over one coming home from work or you're just a, a sadist. It'll be $5 on the PlayStation Store within a matter of months, I'm sure. Yeah, something like that would be the only way I'd recommend giving it a go. And even then, I'm like, don't be as forgiving as I was. And if you're having a hard time after an hour, put it down and play anything else. Is it full a full price release or is it like a $50? A full price. Wow. Yeah, like I think you could get like the JB Hi-Fi for 79 or whatever. But yeah, like wow. it's, it's still the, the ticketed $100 here in Australia for a game that is anything but worth full price. Mm. And it's funny because we're going from talking about a full price game to a game that I stumbled upon by chance on the Xbox store called Omega Strikers, which I've never, ever heard about. It came out in September of 2022. And what it is, in essence, is a 3v3 soccer game, which is cross-platform. So you can play with PC, PlayStation, Switch, and Xbox players. And the characters, they're anime, Japanese in aesthetic Really, so it's it's ticking ticking my boxes straight away. I'm like, you know, the the weave in me was like, yes, it's free, cross platform. It plays really well. All the characters have different abilities and play styles. Like they've got hero abilities and perks. They've all got very different aesthetics and looks. They're voiced as well, so you're getting some voice work from the characters. And the I'm fact it's free, it it's not bad. Like it's not going to win any game of the year awards, but for a free game that was just good mindless fun where I was running around kicking goals and kicking ass. I'm like, you know what? Mm. This is great in comparison to what I've just dealt with with Lord of the Rings Gollum. So I stumbled upon Omega Strikers <laughs> by chance and it's just fun and enjoyable. So it's free to play or it's free on to Game play. Pass? Okay, free to yeah. play. Yeah, cool. It's yeah, like free to it's on, on Switch. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, it, it looks up your alley as far as the, the weebishness of it. It's, as long as it runs well and... Is it like, are you playing online against other people? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you can choose to play against other people or if you wanted to play against like uh, bot lobbies, you can do so as well. There's a full competitive like rank mode in there. There's casual modes in there. And uh, it's it's pretty in depth. As is tradition with these free to play games, there's a battle pass where you can work your way through and unlock things or pay for different different characters, different skins, different emotes. So there's ways for them to get some cash out of you as well. But just good fun. Stumbled mm. across it by chance. Never heard of it before, but I'm like, oh, 
okay, a bit of a sports game with a bit of anime flair to it. You have my attention. And then I played a game and I'm like, you have my attention a little more. And then I played a few more <laughs> games and started ranking up. And I'm like, this is really enjoyable. It's good, dumb fun. Like if anyone's played Mario Strikers on the Switch, this is an easy comp. It's it's exactly mm. like that, but I replaced that Nintendo roster with a bunch of generic anime looking characters with uh, unique abilities. And that's what Omega Strikers is. And yeah, super fun, man. Really fun. Download it. We can play together. We can kick this... <laughs> disc like soccer ball around and, and have a great old time yeah it's only got four reviews but metacritic metascore 79 so there you go yeah yep it's not bad not bad omega and strikers came, came out about 30 days ago so okay yeah well it was released last year on pc in september of 2022 so okay so yeah it's been out for a little from what i that was early access because it says here april 27 oh but. there you go there you go Anyway, I'm I'm wrong, but the game is right. It's a good time. <laughs> it's good fun. So yeah, Omega Strikers by Odyssey Interactive. Really fun, really good pick up and play game, free. So it's tech, t- uh, checking all the boxes. I'm sure if people out there jump into the 8-bit Discord, they'll be able to find you for a game sometime as well. Hit me up, hit me up. I think it's going to be like in between my my games of Fortnite as far as just a quick time <laughs> killer. Omega Strikers could be that because games are over within five ten minutes super quick to get in super quick to score some goals have some fun create some chaos and then get out and go about the rest of your day very good and once you're done going about the rest of your day from a couple of swift strikes in omega strikers you can head on over to videogamesandculture.com which is the place for all things 8-bit and if you wanted to get some merchandise on your person you can do so over at shop 8bit.net be sure to check out all our other podcasts residing on that website as well and chuck some ratings and reviews and subscriptions on all of those podcasts because they keep the emotional lights on in our hearts. They keep us tracking, keep us charting, keep us relevant. And it's just a good deed, you know? Get some good karma. Pay it forward. Takes no time, costs no money. It means the world to podcasters like ourselves. Mm. And once you're done, yeah, rating and reviewing those 8-bit podcasts, do the same with all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular because it's just a good thing. And people like good things and uh, positive karma. Pay it forward. Do the right thing out there, people. Be better. Once yeah. you're done being better, head on over to japancrate.com to be even better again and use code 8bit15 at checkout to get yourself a tasty discount and free shipping on a monthly subscription crate full of Japanese snacks and knickknacks from japancrate.com. But JP, let's get into this. This week's news headlines. First bit of news. Pieces Interactive's reboot of the popular horror game Alone in the Dark is coming along quite nicely, shaping up to one of the most exciting horror titles of 2023. The game features a captivating mystery storyline, a unique interbellum setting, and focuses more on creating a sense of creeping dread rather than bombastic action. The developers have reassured fans recently that that they understand and respect the original game and even announced the involvement of Hollywood actors David Harbour and Jodie Comer. A standalone prologue chapter called Grace in the Dark is currently available to download right now on Steam, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X slash S, which is serving as a prequel to the main story. Alone in the Dark is scheduled for release on October the 25th. So JP, this prequel, this Grace in the Dark is what you and I played at PAX last year. So right. we got to experience like this six-ish months ago, had a great time with it, really set the tone, got me hyped for Alone in the Dark when it's dropping on 25th of October. And now knowing that you get to play 
as David Harbour and or Jodie Comer, like take my money pieces interactive, two of my favorite people in the acting game jumping into the video game. So we know David Harbour from obviously Stranger Things amongst some other big things. Uh, where do we know Jodie from? Killing Eve is the main Killing thing Eve. I know Jodie okay. Comer from. Because I don't, I don't know her at all. <laughs> you don't? Well, I haven't, what's, I don't even, I've never watched Killing Eve, so where else would I know her from? You need to add that to your list immediately. <laughs> so, so Jodie Comer plays a European spy and it is really, really, a oh, European assassin, sorry, not a, not a spy. It is so, so okay. good. Let me see. Where can I watch it? It's, it's on SBS and Stan, I think. All right. I will uh, add that. Yeah. It's on Stan and iView. Four seasons on Stan, okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's finished now. The fourth season was the final season. Yep, it's the one with uh, Sandra O. Oh. Yes, I remember seeing some stuff about this. So yeah, yeah. so okay. Sandra O oh works for like MI6, and she's trying to hunt down Jodie Comer, who is yeah one of the most famous or infamous assassins in the world. It's so good, and Jodie Comer, I love her. Like I will die for her, and I'm excited to play mm. as her with her. <laughs> in Alone in the Dark. <laughs> yes, I'm sure, sure you are. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big David Harbour fan. I think he's fantastic from the newsroom to obviously, uh, you know, Stranger Things. I haven't watched the Hellboy movie, but... Um, it was okay in too. parts, yeah. really bad in others. And then uh, he's doing the whole Gran Turismo thing, isn't he? Yeah, and he was... I'm blanking on his on his name now, but he was the... You know, the Russian superhero yeah. in Black yeah. Widow and he's going to be in... Shit. What's the... Like the anti-hero group that he's going to be part of with... Oh, my God. It's Friday night. It's late. Are we talking MCU? Yeah, in the MCU. Okay. Just... Yeah, he's going to be in the MCU more. Just say yes. that. Yes. Okay. Yeah, well, he's he's great. I love him. And he seems, he seems like he would bring a real... Um, just solid performance to a game that probably really is going to rely on uh, the the uh, the acting and, and the performance capture more than what the original would have. I'm guessing. I haven't played the original, but I did play that slice at uh, at PAX this this Grace in the Dark prologue, and it was very cinematic. Is probably one of the words that that I would use. What do you think? I think so. Like we, there wasn't a ton of depth to the to the demo, but it yeah. really just helped. It was atmospheric. It was very yeah, atmospheric. atmospheric's yeah. the perfect perfect way to describe it. Like it set the tone as to what to expect with Alone in the Dark when it comes out in October. It had just the right amount of eeriness and dread, and taking it back to sort of the the time period where the game is. It's like set in like the 1920s, so it's got a little bit of a different vibe to a lot of the other mm. survival horror games that we've gotten used to over the last few years. So it's really yeah. great. It's got like a, a jazz soundtrack that accompanies it as well, which adds all kinds of different eeriness and quirkiness and whimsicalness depending on the scene. So yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for this. The I'm not going to replay the the prologue again because I got a good experience at that. You and I both managed to finish it, finish it during our sort of time playthrough mm-hmm. at, at PAX last year, but I'm looking forward to playing the full game come October. Yeah, I think I'll give it a shot. You know, I'm not a massive horror guy, but it's the year for that with uh, RE4 and Dead Space and Alone in the Dark. 
Hell yeah, hell yeah. And I was thinking of the Thunderbolts, JP. So the, the Thunderbolts, Thunderbolts movie okay. coming out in July of 2024 with Baron Zemo, Ghost, Abomination, etc., etc. So Not he's to part be confused with Thundercats. No, no. Definitely don't confuse it with Thundercats. There's, there's none of that happening here. But something that is happening here is Bungie adding some cool new items that can be purchased via way of their Eververse store, all themed around iconic PlayStation franchises, just as Season of the Deep begins. Now's your chance if you've ever wanted to turn your Titan Hunter or Warlock into Kratos from God of War, Aloy from Horizon, or Jin from Ghost of Tsushima. Titans can also take on the iconic red markings of Kratos, while Hunters get Aloy's skirt, and Warlocks can don the samurai armor. Even your ghost can grow some cordyceps with a skin inspired by The Last of Us. Well, these are obviously the result of PlayStation's $3.6 billion acquisition of Bungie. The skins will be available across all platforms. So you can bring a Kratos-inspired skin into your Xbox instance of Destiny 2. It's cool. Mm. I love this. They look really rad. Like I'm not a Destiny player. Shout out to Miss Ali Hart, who we haven't mentioned yet, but um, come back soon. The... uh the skins look like they fit in that world. They don't look out of place or like it's not just like a Fortnite style kind of like throw them in there and and let them let them clash however they want to clash with everything else. Um, I, they look like guardians. They just look like really cool variants, basically. I agree. They they look like they should exist in this world. They haven't just been shoehorned in as a cash grab, and they all look great. I'm very excited to pick up this uh, Kratos skin from my Titan and also the Cordyceps-inspired ghost skin because I think the, the Cordyceps ghost skin is my favorite out of a lot of them. It looks so great. Just some cute little features it's, there with the, the, so the fungus weird. growing off it. It's weird, but it's just It's so phenomenal. weird because the ghost, from what I gather, is like a basically a, a droid, right? It's like a... So to have some kind of organic growth coming off it, it just seems so bizarre. You are you're, you're a bit of a virgin when it comes to Destiny and the the variety in the ghost skins. Yes, they they do not make a lot of sense all the time, but they're there. Like I had my little ghost was wearing a cowboy hat for a good long while. Okay, just because. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'll I'll allow it. Yeah, yeah, but no, it's cool. Like more more collabs like this across platforms. Like I love when we can see the rival companies, whether it be forcibly or just. Uh, by war of attrition playing nice here but it's cool to see that we're getting some bleed over from some tentpole playstation titles making their way to pc and xbox via way of these little skins and nods to those ip do you think that it's almost a um a sneaky little way to promote their games on those other platforms though rather than allowing those platforms to have access to their ip a little bit like it is sort of like it feels like it's a bit of bait right where yeah. <laughs> a, a core devout xbox player that maybe has never played a playstation before or played a, a recent playstation or one of these ip and they keep seeing this awesome kratos skin or this awesome aloy hunter running around they're like oh okay and then they go down that rabbit hole and then bam sony's got you and they're buying a playstation 5 <laughs> buying a copy of horizon and they're in yeah good yeah. luck yeah, it's uh, very, very stealth marketing. It's it's fantastic, but everybody wins because it's great. And something that's great to a degree, I guess we could say. Don't <laughs> want to bury the lead here, but uh, we're going to end the news cycle here by recapping the 2023 PlayStation Showcase that has aired over the last 24 hours-ish. 
And uh, yeah, it was the first like dedicated PlayStation showcase we've seen in well over 12 months. So the expectations were very high. This was announced out of nowhere about a week ago. So there wasn't really much lead up to it. I didn't really see anything spoilt on the internet either. I didn't see any trailers leaking early. So that's that's also a nice thing. Very, very, very (laughs) rare. But um, yeah, we got a ton of reveals. We're going to go through the first part of this sort of article breakdown here just uh, almost like bullet point highlighting a lot of the, we're not going to say lesser known reveals because all the reveals and announcements of trailers were great, but we'll just sort of give these ones a little Mm. bit of focus and then a bit more focus on the ones that really excited myself and yourself, John. Yeah. 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 So, so jump in here wherever you see fit, if you wanted to add a little bit of weight as we work our way through here. And the first one we're going to highlight is yeah. Assassin's Creed Mirage has gotten an October release date. It's very much going back to its roots. It's Mm. uh simplifying the formula it feels like it's very much a bit of a nod to assassin's creed one and two uh where we're getting to play uh basium who we've uh, been encountering over the last few games as well which is kind of cool yeah it's um it's one that's uh, the series because there's so much assassin's creed stuff coming out on a variety of platforms it's kind of off my radar which is bizarre because you and i both really played a lot of valhalla so mm-hmm. Um, this one could suck me back into that world again quite easily, I think, but I'm not like necessarily hyped for it. But seeing they actually showed gameplay, which is uh, one of the only... Which was rare with this showcase. <laughs> yeah, that was one, one of the... my notes. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, maybe the... 30% of the games got gameplay. The yeah. rest of it was just cinematic trailers. Yeah, it, it was like sparse, but we did get to see some gameplay and it did have like HD remake of the original kind of, of vibes because it is... Uh, more of that Middle Eastern setting. I think it's based in Iraq or what was what's known as Iraq now. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to see whether they make that a more streamlined. It sounds like yeah, they said it's going to be a lot smaller in scope. So which is good because that's one of the the main criticisms that the last few Assassin's Creed yeah. games have got, where it's just it's too big. There's too much to do. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, I was. I think I was a bit harsh with my notes as I was taking as I rewatched the the showcase this evening, and I wrote Assassin's Creed Mirage. So sorry <laughs> about that. But I will still play it come October. Yeah. Uh, the next one we got a cinematic trailer for Jade Raymond's Haven Studio, which revealed their game called Fair Games, and that S on the end is with a dollar sign because why not? And it is a competitive heist experience coming to the PlayStation Five and PC. The trailer looked very pretty. I was impressed by it, and it was the first trailer we got. This was the first cab off the rank as far as the showcase goes. And yeah, the trailer looked super slick. It had a good look and sound to it, but without seeing any gameplay, it's like, I don't know. I'm going to yeah. reserve any judgment until then. Is it, yeah. Do we know if it's a, like even a first-person shooter or a third-person, I guess? No idea. Could, could be a real-time strategy game for all we know. But um, I, I imagine it's going to be like Payday, kind of vibes maybe a triple a version of, of payday 2 which would probably be very welcome because you know i always see payday 2 on sale i think a lot of people have probably bought that over the years i wouldn't be surprised if it had notched up quite a few sales in that time and mm. haven this is the first uh game they've released since playstation acquired them a couple of years ago i think so big deal for them to to reveal this today i think or mm. not today, and, and big week. deal for them to lead this showcase off i thought yeah. that was uh you know a big a big power play or a good sign of 
faith from Sony towards what Haven had got cooking there with Fair Games. Mm. Uh, the next one, this one I got really interested and excited about was Phantom Blade Zero, which is a new hack and slash RPG that is coming out in the very near future. It's uh, of all like the 25 trailers that were shown, this was one of the ones that stood out the most for me. At first, I'm like, oh my God, another Souls-like, do we need this? But then as more of the combat started to take place, because this was all gameplay. This was all gameplay and you're learning and seeing this, 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 the protagonist you're handling is an assassin called soul. Who's been framed for murder and he's been mortally wounded, but soul's life was saved by some magic, but he's only got 66 days to right the wrongs and, and potentially live on or do whatever he needs to do. But I love that there is martial arts and sword and melee based combat set in this sort of steampunk version of China where we're getting martial arts and yeah, sword play, but also awesome steampunky arm weaponry and cannons and stuff going on. Like it just looked really, really cool. And the combat and the movement looked really smooth. And yeah, I've definitely got my eye on this game. I'm, I'm pretty excited to see what happens with phantom blade zero because it was a little bit of a sleeper hit for me from this showcase yeah it's not something i think anyone had on their radar so it was cool to see something new um and it it is one of those games that it's very hard to tell whether it's going to be good like it, it could go either way um but if they can pull off what it looks like they're trying to do i think it uh, could be very popular yeah yeah i think so i think so i don't know much about um what are they called S game the studio behind it they they seem like a bit of a new upstart and there's not a ton on their website and on their subreddit but if this is what's going to be coming out when this game eventually drops i'm like yeah i'm down take my cash but i'm hoping it doesn't just lean purely into souls like sort of genre and maybe just has a little bit more actiony hack and slash it's a little it bit more forgiving that, yeah it looks more hacky yeah, which I'm very excited for. Something else I'm excited for, Jono, Ghost Runner 2 getting announced. The trailer for this one, another cinematic trailer, but it looked good and it just made me think, maybe I should go back and play Ghost Runner because I'm yet to play the first one. But this trailer <laughs> piqued my interest. Yeah, I only downloaded it on PS Plus and played it for like 20 minutes, the first one. I've heard it's good though and it's not a knock against the game. I think I just wasn't in the mood for it. Um, but it's a very like momentum based kind of gameplay where you kind of have to go for that perfect run across a sequence to to get through um, so yeah people seem hyped for it and they they didn't show gameplay but we know what the first one was like so I imagine it's a slightly shinier version of it yeah, I think so. I'm uh, very, very interested in that. Yeah, I think I need to go back and play a bit of Ghost Runner to, to feel that out. Then we got a, a trailer for the, the Talos Principle 2, which is coming later this year. Uh, the trailer looked nice. I wasn't completely sure what was going on. I've got no real skin in the game with this franchise, but I'm like, yeah, the trailer was fine. It's very popular amongst fans of puzzle genre. I've, I've played the... I have played the Talos Principle a little bit uh, because I'm, I'm working on a puzzle game and i was kind of like just sussing out you know a bit of inspiration as far as gameplay and um not that not that i'm a gameplay developer or a programmer or anything but um yeah it's it's a cool um it's it's a very it's not the witness but it's um it, it is very atmospheric in this 
strange place with some interesting lore and um, kind of mystery to okay. it. So I, I think this one, um, it, you know, it, it's more niche because it's puzzles, but it is a um, it, it's it's going to do well. And it was uh, kind of under the radar exclusive as well. Yeah, no, it, um, the trailer certainly uh, made me raise an eyebrow in, in a good way. It looked very pretty. Uh, the the next one, Foam Stars, which was actually the second piece of gameplay, if we include the, the the very brief Cat Pirate game trailer that happened for a split second before that. But this was the 11th trailer of the showcase where we got some gameplay. And yeah, Foam Stars, which is a Splatoon-like shooter coming from Square Enix, uh, yeah, my notes, I wrote like grown-up Splatoon, will Nintendo sue question mark? Because <laughs> yeah, it uh, certainly was copying off its homework, but the world looked great. It was bright and vibrant. The characters looked very unique. It's got that, you know, anime aesthetic again, which just, you know, gets me going. The gameplay looks super dumb, super fun, but looks like it could be enjoyable with some friends. And I think I'm going to play it. I reckon this would be very much an alley game too. She loves her Splatoon. She'd be down to play a bit of Foam Stars. What about you, JP? You in? You're going to join our foam party? <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> no, I'm not feeling this. Uh, I, I definitely scrubbed through this this trailer as soon as I saw what it was. Uh, Square Enix is capable of so much, and to just rip off Splatoon with uh, you know an anime version of it, it's not even like an original art style. I was like, okay, some some boardroom exec played. Or their kid played Splatoon, and they said, "Let's make one of these for an adult audience," and kind of defeats the purpose, I think. But um, you know, part part of the part of the appeal of Splatoon is that fun, cutesy art style, and uh, that it's accessible to probably a, a range of uh, gamers, including young children. So yeah, yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. But yeah, grown-up Splatoon, I mean, take my money. If I can play a cute anime girl and foam all over everybody, I'm down. (laughs) So uh, something else I'm down for, and I still don't understand what in God's name is happening in this world, but we got another juicy trailer ahead of next month's launch for Final Fantasy XVI. A lot of big moments, a lot of epic battles. We had some crazy, crazy summon battles going on here. Uh, yeah, I still have got no clue who's who, who's good, who's bad, what's happening in this world. But the word that I'd summarize this trailer and this game for leading up to the release on June 22nd is epic. It's just big and bold and mm. oh, like I'm, I'm keen as a bean, even though I know nothing as to what's happening. Yeah, I haven't really been excited for Final Fantasy 16 just because I look at all the trailers and I'm just like, it's just not the Final Fantasy that I grew up with, and I'm, I know I'm going to sound like a old boom, boom, boomer or something. But <laughs> if I look at it and don't think of it as a Final Fantasy game, it's probably fine. Um, it's just you know we have it's kind of like uh, people watching Transformers movies and being like, this isn't the, the the cartoon that I watched when I was a kid. That one um, cuts me deep, JP. I, I feel that way every time I watch these live action <laughs> movies. Apart from Bumblebee, which is great, the rest of them, yeah. It's just uh, you have to kind of separate it in your head as a, a separate thing. So I'm sure it will be a great modern JRPG as long as I just don't go into it wanting all the trappings of uh, Final Fantasy that I loved as a younger gamer. Do you think it needs more or less chaos? 
Oh, man. I might have to play this game in Japanese. (laughs) (laughs) All right. The next announcement we're going to focus here is that PlayStation have announced a dedicated game streaming device currently codenamed Project Q that will allow players to stream any game from their PlayStation 5 console using remote play over Wi-Fi to this little 8-inch screen that has... I guess you could say deconstructed DualSense on either Mm. side. It's got all the DualSense functionality, the haptic feedback, the responsive triggers, et cetera, et cetera. But just with an eight-inch screen wedged in between. And JP, like, this thing is not for me. This thing is so dumb. Mm. And it feels like it just doesn't know what... Like, we were talking, and and I saw on, on socials as well, like, you were talking about, like, you know, that we can do this with a smartphone and a backbone already. Instead, they're going to bring out Project Q... And I can only imagine how ex- this thing might be the same price of a PlayStation 5. I worry. <laughs> because an 8-inch like full HD screen on this sucker with that smart controller technology in there as well, it's not going to be a cheap little device. Yeah, you think about the DualSense in, in and of itself, it's 100 or 110 bucks. So it's probably looking at, I don't know, 250 300 bucks. do you reckon? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say between three and 400 bucks. And you add another few hundred onto that and you got yourself a discless PlayStation 5. So like... Yeah. It's it's a weird one to me because PlayStation just did this partnership with Backbone to release a PlayStation branded Backbone controller. Obviously, it requires a phone to go into the device and that means you don't have your phone while you're using it. So that's one of the drawbacks. But yeah, they just they just promoted this, and because there's a new Android version after having the iOS version on the market for a while, so I was just surprised that they bothered to make that partnership when they were in the same week going to turn around and go. And here's our version, which it does have a bigger screen. It's even bigger than the Switch. From yeah, eight, eight inch, like that's a lot of surface area. Like it's going to yeah. feel good playing on that. But like the only yeah. way I see this thing being appealing, like is if. You know, you're at home right now and, and your partner wants to be watching something on the television that your PlayStation con- is connected to and so you can just whip out your Project Q and mm. be there beside her. She can watch her stories. You can play your stories and live in harmony. Like, that's the only logic for me. Like, because, yeah, the, the backbone, I've got one, you've got one. Like, you buy it them at a fraction fine. of the price. Yeah. And the resolution on a smartphone is going to be higher than the resolution on this Project Q anyway. So it's like, what way do you want to go here? I, I don't understand. This is a weird one for me, yeah. for, for me, for, for Sony. There's a bunch of uh, options on the market for this kind of thing. Like it's not just the backbone, but if you've got something like that already, which we do, I just don't know why you'd go and get another piece of kit when it's going to come with a, a high price from being the official product you get you'll get the haptics from the dual sense and that's great i think but um yeah it's just another thing to for me to keep away from my kid <laughs> yeah yeah and like i i just pre-ordered my rog ally the other day and it's like you know maybe i can just yeah. stream my playstation game directly to this and not yeah. ever have to buy a project q because i love that it's got all the smarts and the creativity that's in the dual sense but yeah, I think this is going to be a premium price device that's going to really cost itself out of the market really quickly. We shall see. We shall. We shall. And another uh, piece of tech that Sony announced is simply known as the PlayStation Earbuds, 
their new true wireless in-ears and they were going to offer lossless low latency audio on the PlayStation 5 and PC. Sony is also saying that it has, it, that it has achieved this via a new, in quotes, wireless technology, which is admittedly vague. However, it assures us that these buds will provide outstanding sound quality while gaming. So going away from the stereotypical gaming headsets, the big bulky over-ear cups to, to a more sort of sleek in-ear variant, they look really nice, and knowing the quality that Sony have done with their more professional consumer audio products gives me hope that these will be really, really impressive. No doubt they'll probably be at a at a premier price point again as well. But mm. I like having this option to to just chuck some in ears and play on my PlayStation. I'll still just naturally lean to grabbing my AT headset and playing with that because they're the best in audio and gaming based oh, yeah. equipment. But these PlayStation earbuds, they look nice. They come in a nice little slick case. The fact that you can connect them between your PlayStation 5, your PC, and I'm assuming to your smartphone, so you could use these as your general sort of daily streetwear buds as well. Really cool. But yeah, I'd say they're going to be coming with a not so cool price point. Yeah, I mean, outside of PlayStation, you could say that Sony is known for its audio equipment and, and gear over the years. Mm-hmm. So it makes sense for them to have a premium you know earbud on the market the um yeah the price it'll be curious as to whether they go for like middle like the 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 gold headset that they've had or you know over the years the playstation official headphones have been kind of that mid-level like not high-end but not dirt cheap um option so i think it'd probably be a similar similar spot that will sit yeah i i feel these might be in and around Two ninety nine to three ninety nine AUD because yeah they, they look okay, like wow. a expensive bit of kit and I mean that in a good way they look like they're gonna be a quality audio accompaniment for your gaming and just your day to day so this is cool I like that we're getting more of this and getting way away from the hard cheap shitty plastic headsets that most of these gaming companies have been making for years like it's nice to see consumer audio making its way into the gaming space because it's better for everybody very good Uh, next one abzu and the pathless developer giant squid also revealed its next project titled sword in the sea the aesthetic of this the art style of this like i love me some journey i love what giant squid do (laughs) it's yeah journey where you're also snowboarding slash skateboarding pulling mad tricks in a half pipe on this floating hoverboard sword i don't know if the sword will mean you'll finally be seeing some combat coming out from giant squid or if it's just going to be more puzzles and exploration but with a title like sword of the sea maybe you're going to swing that sword once or twice but it looked very very pretty yeah the the pathless had some combat um but this more than any other game they've done just really has that journey art style so I don't know if that's like Journey was very popular. Obviously, it was a, a different time for um for indies when it released, and it was one of those probably first PlayStation indies to really soar. Uh, so I, I feel like the the trains kind of moved on from from these guys in some ways, but uh, maybe it will bring some people back because it does look so much like that uh, that game that people might have some nostalgia for by now. Yeah, I think you bang on. But yeah, it certainly uh yeah, grabbed my attention. The art style, yeah, it was it was very journey, but now I can do mad tricks in a in a crazy half pipe on a 
sword blade, let's do it. So I'm in. <laughs> and something else I'm in for, JP, is the the sort of demo slice they showed us of Resident Evil 4 Remake's VR mode, which is in development for PSVR 2. They didn't give us any dates as far as 2023, 2024. They're just saying it's actively getting worked on by Capcom. Right. But man, this looked scary and intense. And even though RE4 is more action-y, shifting it into this first-person view with VR will just get the heartbeat racing out of your chest. And I love as well shifting into this VR mode that they're not floating hands like you see so much in first-person shooters or first-person action games through virtual reality headsets there. You can see Leon's arms are all connected. It's all one piece. It's not just floating hands. Like mm. the gunplay and the sword playing, it looked really, really tight. Yeah, I, I know that the... I think it was like a quest mode. Uh, sorry, a quest port for the um, original RE4 kind of hit like last year. Mm-hmm. Not 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 for, for RE remake, but yeah, the original they they kind of ported in, and people were experiencing VR in that game for the first time, and that was very popular. So to see them give the same treatment to the remake, which is obviously a superior performing game and and the new bit of kit with the psvr2 i think that there'll be potentially i don't know do you think this could be a system not not maybe not killer app but do you think this could sell a few units in and of itself i i um it's funny because my playstation vr2 pre-order got returned to the wild because i was overseas when it came out and it got shifted out like i obviously could probably find one anywhere at any store now but I haven't had any incentive to pick it up because I just haven't seen any titles apart yeah. from the Horizon offshoot that still excites me. But this definitely makes me want to buy it. This makes me want to throw down some cash because Resident Evil 4 Remake was phenomenal in the traditional over-the-shoulder sense, but being able to experience this through virtual reality again, like I'm just thinking of some of those boss battles and some of those moments, like mm. it would be terrifying with it coming at you right through the headset. So yeah, I think I think this will be the game that'll make me pick up my PSVR two finally. Yeah, it's hard to think how it will work because there's so much movement and so much action in that game. Whether it breaks part of it or makes you feel sick, but especially yeah, like I, the boat scene when you're on the lake. Yeah, I haven't. I mean, I haven't played a lot of vr games to be honest so i wouldn't really have anything to compare it to but from what i understand often they will plant the the player in the ground so that you can't freely roam around yeah not a lot of devs have nailed that secret source to to get the movement fluid enough to make you not get motion sickness resident evil uh 7 did that really well with their VR port and that was still some of the scariest crap that I've ever played and I'm excited yeah. to do it all again with with RE4 Remake. Just a, a couple of quick other scattershot uh, announcements regarding PSVR 2. We also saw Five Nights at Freddy's Help Wanted 2 announced for later this year. Arizona Sunshine 2 was announced. Uh, military shooter Crossfire Sierra Squad. End Dreams is Syna- uh, Synapse and also the Queen Music Pack DLC for Beat Saber all getting a bit of a run there in a little mini PSVR 2 segment. They all look pretty good. I had some fun playing Arizona Sunshine 2 back in the day. I mean, Arizona Sunshine back in the day, maybe I'll pick up Arizona Sunshine 2 on sale after I get my PSVR 2 when Resident Evil 4 remake (laughs) VR mode comes out. Who knows? And you got the village uh, 
VR mode as well, don't you? Yes, indeed. Yeah. Yes, it's just like Capcom's doing all the heavy lifting as far as AAA games that are developing for PSVR. They're just they're just on a very rare run of form at the moment, Capcom. For for many years in a row now, they've just been doing very good things. Mm. Uh, a couple other quick announcements here. So yeah, I mentioned earlier, Cat Quest Pirates of the Caribbean was showcased with a little bit of gameplay. Look cute, look whimsical. Coming out next year. Uh, Gris Creator reveals Never, which is coming or Neva, coming out in 2024. The notes I wrote for this is, this game is definitely going to make me cry. It looks very endearing. It had this really cute, simple watercolor art aesthetic to it. And it just feels really wholesome, but also really heartbreaking. And I'm keen to play this when it comes out uh, next year. Yeah, Gris or, or Gree or however you pronounce it had that same thing to it. You know, very stylized, very uh, uh, emotionally, uh, what's the word? I mean, it wasn't like it was a very narrative-driven game, but I guess it was drawing on emotional experiences and trying to uh, elicit that uh, sense of... Um, just yeah, a heavy sense of, of the themes of, of, of the story and of the game. So I think that they definitely know how to pull those strings. Yeah, this this was one of the trailers that stood out for me. Like I was hooked. The art style was so unique to everything else we'd seen up until this moment in the showcase. And yeah, it just stood out for all the right reasons. We also got confirmation that Towers of Agasaba, which is a Breath of the Wild-like title, it'll be coming out next year. Trailer looked Fine enough. Um, I enjoyed the the sort of town building and like farming based mechanics in there. Like anytime there's a bit of a, a farming or a building sim to be had, and if they throw a fishing sim in here as well, it's like, yep, let's go. Three for three, take my money. <laughs> Next one, Revenant Hill was announced, which is from the makers of Night in the Woods, and it had that very distinctive Night of Night yeah. in the Woods art style straight away. I thought it was a sequel to Night in the Woods at first when we saw the little cat pop up. But that's coming to PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5 in the very near future. Grand Blue Fantasy Relink is coming this winter or slash Australian summer. Uh, the, the anime weeby in me got very excited for this one. It uh, had some cool little combat, had some cool moments. And I liked that the characters were voiced. And my notes were this is like, yes, gameplay, great. The, the big hero ability pushes awesome and uh, maybe I need this question mark. So <laughs> yeah, Grand Blue has got me. Ultros, which is a very colorful Metroidvania coming next year. The art style, it was very acid trip, like Rick and Morty in space on random planet vibes. And it looked really, really cool and very memorable as well. It really stood out for me, Ultros. Yeah, very um, saturated art style for sure. Yeah. That- bright neon green super psychedelic and yeah then we got to look at our perfect worlds games tower of fantasy which is another anime japanese animation inspired jaunt this one didn't hook me the same as uh grand blue but there was like animeca going on there was some gameplay the the worlds look pretty diverse and vibrant so i'm like i'll put on the list of a game that i'll intend to maybe play one day I uh, also then got Firewalks Concord getting announced, and that's coming to PlayStation 5 and PC of next year. No gameplay at all for this, just a cool cinematic trailer set in space with some focusing on this ship that's degrading due to the speed of the ship going through, doing the Kessel Run in 
minimal parsecs, but uh, yeah, it looked interesting. And we also got some new gameplay trailer for Immortals of Avium, which is done by Ascendant Studios. This is interesting. It's like first-person Doom with mythological powers, but it just mm. seemed really hollow and really basic to me. Like there was, it's pretty in the abilities and the the hand movement as they're casting spells all look cool, but outside of that, the world I just couldn't seem to give two craps about. Yeah, it didn't move the needle for me, but I'm sure there'll be some people out there that dig the dig the vibe. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, let's uh let's shift that tone. You're talking about those last couple of games not really moving the needle but we're gonna end this new segment with the games that were the true needle movers for us and jp i might throw it over you first maybe we can just go back and forth on these games here and add a bit of weight where applicable so the first needle mover from the playstation showcase was spider-man 2 (laughs) (laughs) spider-man 2 is definitely the biggest game that they talked about it was the one that they gave like what 10 minutes too or yeah got got the final 10 minutes it was yeah. the the hero moment that sent everybody home happy after the showcase and rightfully so yeah so they showed i mean I, I was complaining about this on twitter that they just show too much of these things for my liking but it's kind of my fault for watching it but they didn't even really give me a chance to avoid it because there he is he's he's in the spoilers uh, the symbiote suit which i guess was predictable for this game since it wasn't in the first one but I did feel like that could have been a, a big reveal in the game if they didn't show it in the trailer, but, you know, what are you going to do? They, they love spoiling ma- massive things in these Spider-Man trailers. Um, we also saw that we very evidently get to play as both Peter and Miles, which mm-hmm. makes sense, and we all thought that that was coming. Um, Pete's got the new symbiote moveset, and then Miles, even though he had his own unique moveset in the Miles Morales game, he's got a few new moves as well so it is cool that we have it confirmed that you'll be playing as both it's going to be single player not uh co-op as some people kind of speculated which i never really thought was a possibility um there's lots of information still to come can you switch between those two at will or is it based on story i think based on the fact that like peter's wearing that that black suit will have to obviously get a section where miles is probably going to battle against him when he turns a bit too far towards Mm -hmm. that dark side so look forward to all the drama that we're going to get from this it looks really good i i admittedly kind of skimmed through it because i didn't want to spoil more than what they already showed but it was cool to see also um craven the hunter get the uh the the shine as possibly the main villain from what we can tell so far it's it's really great that that opening cinematic with with craven where He's just hunting, I guess, various big evil bad dudes out in this jungle and then it's all gotten too easy and then one of his his underlings has sort of said, hey, how about some new game to hunt? And it's it focus, shows, the, shows the map of New York and you see Black Cat pop up there, Lizard, Spider-Man, Spider-Man again because of, you know, Miles and Peter. And yeah, it just sets this tone where there's going to be a lot of cat and mouse going on in this game. I was a little bummed that, yeah, they did just drop the symbiote suit on it on a straightaway instead of uh, maybe keeping that for a reveal in the game. But it got everyone excited. I mean, mm. I'm curious to see how this is going to play out because the more you wear that suit, you more the more that you let the symbiote take control of you, the less nice you become. And that's even evidenced and you can see the tonal shift with Peter and the way he's talking to Miles and 
the lack of teamwork and more of like, I'm doing this, I'm the man, to hell with everybody else. And he's smashing people up. Like he's very assholey and aggressive, which you see happen in the comics, you see happen in the films, you see happen in the game. So I'm keen for that. And I hope we do get a bit of a uh, bit of venom in Spider-Man 2 because Venom's always been one of my favorite mm. Spidey characters. But the movesets, I like the diversity between Peter and Miles. Miles seems a little OP to me. Like the, the abilities <laughs> that Miles has got, he can do just about everything. And it's going to be fun because it's going to feel like two different experiences. I think you nailed it where you said like when it gets to certain forks in the road from a narrative perspective, you'll jump from character to character. I don't think you'll be able to, to change at will. I'd say just mm. with continuity of the story, it'll just be hard, hard sort of stop start points with these characters, but I'm excited for that. I even noticed like the subtle changes where the UI is different for each of the characters. Like they look different, different color palettes used. Miles has got a bit more of his graffiti sort of aesthetic and vibe that he has where Peter's a little bit more straight and narrow. So I like that. And even though in the in the trailer we didn't get a constant clean look at the lizard or Kurt Connors, seeing the moments in that where there was sort of like some horror movie elements in it where they're in the dark and they're trying to find Kurt Connors and they find the skin that he shed so he's gotten yeah. even bigger and he's becoming almost like Godzilla-like in his appearance. Like, it's cool. And the game just looks smooth. I love that the world is bigger as well. We're getting just outside of Manhattan and we're going to be exploring other boroughs. So it's going to be cool to uh, see this larger world and just the, the web slinging. It, it is so like anyone that's played these games knows how fun it is, but it just looks even better now where they've got sort of these like wind points where you can sort of glide and just fly through a pace instead of having to web sling everywhere. Like yeah. it looks so good, JP, and I can't wait for it to come out this yeah. year. 2023 fall of 2023 it's coming out so yeah. you know q3 slash q4 of this year we're going to be playing spider-man 2 a little a little frustrating to not have a release date like the fact that we're less than six months away from this game releasing well we're kind of like three three or four months away from this game releasing right and we still don't have a month they couldn't say coming you know September. i'm gonna say october i'm yeah. gonna say october is my guess hmm but I guess, you know, that it is better for that to be the, the circumstance rather than putting a date out there and missing it. So no yep. one no one likes that. Um but yeah. What about what about yourself? What what else uh, do you want to talk about? Yeah, the next one, if we're just gonna go through the list here as we've got them put down as far as the, the notable uh, heavy hitters and highlights. Mm. Obviously Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater, the remake that has long since been rumoured out in, in the wilds there for many a year has now officially been confirmed. We've got a nice little slow roll CGI-based trailer where there's a few nods to the, the original sort of opening of the game and it leads to us seeing uh, seeing old Big Boss coming out, of the, coming out of the jungles. He was probably just hiding from Craven the Hunter previously <laughs> because it looked like the damn, damn near the same jungle that Craven was just hunting in. But... The trailer looked good. We didn't see any gameplay. I know some of the internet's a little bit up in arms about why didn't they remake Metal Gear Solid 1 first? But it's like, if anything, if we're going to go chronologically, yeah. this is the right way to do it. So you can experience the origin stories here of Big Boss and then jump into the other games following on. So I'm, I'm keen for this. Like We saw no gameplay, but the CGI trailer certainly looked pretty. Yeah, it- it was cool. I mean, it's let's just say it's cool that it exists because it's been wanted for so long. 
Um, it's not the game that needs remaking the most. I think that's probably one of the frustrations is that uh, the the HD collection version of uh, Snake Eater still is very playable compared mm-hmm. to Metal Gear Solid 1, which is kind of unplayable because it doesn't have... It, it still has the fixed camera and it's not even available on uh, modern platforms until later this year when they bring those original three to PS5. So Yeah, the that's Metal Gear it, Solid Master exciting. Collection Volume 1 confirmed mm. it's going to have Metal Gear Solid, Metal Gear Solid 2, Sons of Liberty, and the original Metal Gear Solid 3 Snake Eater coming to PlayStation sometime this fall. So that's exciting. Yeah, that is good. I mean, even just to get those games with trophies for a lot of people will be a huge... Um, a huge joy. I mean, I'll definitely be replaying Metal Gear Solid and trying to platinum it. Hopefully, it has a unique trophy list compared to sometimes they have like one for the whole collection, which is frustrating. But uh, something like the the Mass Effect trilogy had the three trophy lists separate to each other. So I hope they go that direction. Um, my really high in the sky hope was that they would announce a remake of the NES Metal Gear and Ooh. its sequel Metal Gear um, 2 Solid Snake. That's still, that's been a long desired thing for me because I just know that it could be really cool. It'd be a new story, like a, a new game with a story that's fleshed out from obviously the more stripped back, you know, 8-bit or whatever you want to call those NES games. Um, but it is still part of that lore of Solid Snake and Grey Fox and uh the colonel and big boss and all that stuff so it's sitting there it's canon i'm just waiting for someone konami in konami to realize that it's a a no-brainer but uh for now chronologically i'm still holding out hope that they go snake eater metal gear metal gear 2 metal gear solid metal gear solid 2 uh metal gear solid 4 but uh a boy can dream that's it. It's interesting too because this game is called Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater. It's not Metal Gear Solid 3. There's a little mm. delta symbol where the number yes. 3 would be. So this is a bit of a bit of a soft reboot as far as the the next gen versions of these games and and it's it's kind of cool because players that haven't experienced those original games get to start from the ground up as far as that uh, that origin story. So yeah. yeah, I'm looking forward to playing this. The one thing I did notice though is the trailer you could see it was very lacking Hideo Kojima as far as his artistic <laughs> yeah. styling and his just his uniqueness to present things on screen. Still was a cool trailer, but it did feel very lacking in that Kojima uniqueness and magic, you could say. Yeah, it does feel a little strange to be doing this without him, but you know, it's happened in the past. Star Wars did okay without George Lucas. Um, not to say that him and Kojima are uh, equals because I think that's a very clear difference. Uh, but um, yeah, I, I really wish that they gave us a, a line of dialogue, just one line, you know, kept you waiting just to see that whether it's David Hayter playing. Yeah, or Kiefer. We were talking about this yeah. offline. Is it going to be Hayter or is it going to be Sutherland? Who's going to yeah. be voicing voicing Mr. Snake here? It'd be a, I think it would be a, a huge, like, um, you know, can, uh, I don't, we don't know who's making this game is the other thing like it didn't have a Konami logo on it they haven't announced anything I think the rumor was that Virtuous um, was working on the game 
I heard they were working on it with Konami from what yeah. I read somewhere. Regardless, you know, Konami, especially the whole Metal Gear Solid 5 debacle with Kojima's exit, it was a big thing. It was a big, like, controversy against the studio and it would win back some hearts and minds if they could put David Hayter back in that position, I think. Yeah. I'd be very excited and hopeful for that. So what else, what about you, JP? What else did you get excited and hopeful for from this showcase? Uh, it was cool to see Alan Wake 2 is coming on October the 17th. We knew that the game existed um, and Remedies, it's you know their follow-up to Control and we saw Alan Wake in some of the Control DLC. So um, seeing a bit more... Of this trippy uh, Twin Peaksian story slash Stephen King horror esque vibes, it's um yeah, it was just cool to see that this game has gone with that similar familiar but uh, still very um very dark and and you know taking it taking it into a new direction, I think. It looks so good. This is one of my MVPs of this showcase. The the aesthetic and the vibe where you can see they're clearly trying to lean more into the survival horror elements of this game and doing it really well. And I love that we're getting a contrast between playing as Alan Wake, who's going to be trapped in the dark place, and then we're going to be also in the in the boots of Saga Anderson, who is an FBI agent, mm. sort of wandering around through these woodland-based areas and stuff. So we're getting two different experiences, two different universes and worlds, and I'm assuming different enemies and play styles. So I'm very excited to see how this is going to turn out, but it looked great. It looks all kinds of creepy and messed up, and it's going to be giving me the heebie-jeebies come October the 17th. Obviously, there's been some some hubbub on the internet since the announcement of that release date today where uh, they've also turned around Remedy and they've said that we're doing a digital-only purchase of this game. There's not going to be physical versions of this game available upon release. And you know what? I can go either way on this. Like I know some people like to have a physical product on their shelf to collect, but I also like that this is not only going to keep the cost down of the game, so it's going to be a little bit more accessible from a price standpoint for consumers and the world's a digital currency these days everyone likes i prefer to have my games digital it's less clutter less space getting taken up and the game's still going to run the same so yeah i've got no skin in the physical versus digital war here but the internet clearly did yeah it's interesting for such a big game to do that it's usually the indies that tend to stay steer away from physical copies but even then inevitably a game sells well and they'll do a limited run physical edition so i fully expect that at some point they go limited time only there's like 2000 copies of this that you could buy and people will snap them up and put them on ebay and it'll you know become a collectible so that's that's kind of what i expect i don't know why they wouldn't like yes it's it's cheaper to um to not have to do any physicals uh, to begin with. But I think if you can kind of, you know, bundle it into some kind of collectible, then that's not going to, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be less production cost, but what you get back when you sell that is going to more than make up for it, I think. Yeah, I, th- I saw one of the quotes from one of the figureheads at Remedy saying one of the reasons they didn't want to do it also is because 
they didn't want a consumer buying a disc and then on day one having a big giant ass patch to have to download as well. They wanted to try and streamline that process, which mm. I don't think is a deal breaker, but people smarter than me, Remedy <laughs> made that choice and that's fine. I'm just excited that Alan Wake 2 exists and that it's coming out in like five months time because it looks great. So, so do we think Control's inevitable sequel will be digital only? Is that kind of what they're hinting at? Because, I think so. Yeah, I think okay. this is going to be the new norm for Remedy. We'll see. We'll see. Something else that we saw at the PlayStation Showcase was Dragon's Dogma 2 getting a juicy new trailer. And we also saw a ton of gameplay in said trailer, which was great. We got to see a heap of new monsters, the expected dragon, which is no doubt going to steal your heart as these cunning bastards always do in this Dragon Dog Dragon's Dogma world. But it looks really good. This is the first new mainline Dragon's Dogma game in a decade and aesthetically it looks great capcom are doing all the right things here it's getting built on the re engine so the character models mm, the combat mm, the companions <laughs> mm, all of the good stuff there with dragon's dogma 2 i'm very excited i like that we see a lot of diversity in the races in the play style where you can play warrior style you want to be a bit more magey and spell castery. you can you can tailor your experience to suit and yeah, give me all of the high fantasy JP. Let me slay the dragon that is inevitably going to steal my heart again. Mm. Yeah, I, I, this is a funny one for me because I've not played Dragon's Dogma and I was getting it confused with Dragon's Crown. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh, this looks a lot. This looks pretty different from the first one. <laughs> um, and it's a completely different franchise. So, yeah. It's so, so great, Jono. Yeah. Dragon's Dogma is really good. Like, it's very, very enjoyable. You, you should, you should definitely give it a spin if you've got some time in your very busy, mm. constant schedule. Because yeah, I really, really enjoyed Dragon's Dogma one way back when, and I feel I'm really going to enjoy this, the the number two when it's coming out back into this year next year because it looks great. And yeah, yeah I'm going to hack and slash and cast all the spells. I had similar feelings about this as I did about Phantom blade zero where it's mm -hmm. like you know it's always hard to tell from a, tra a trailer how it's going to feel to play so i was watching it and i was like is this going to feel like the witcher is it going to feel like that or is it going to feel like uh you know a, a bethesda game or is it going to feel like ghosts of tsushima like I, it's hard to tell what like you know whether they're going to pull off what they're shooting for i guess but um I'll be keeping an eye on the reviews and that might determine whether I give it a spin or not. Yeah. And uh, by memory, like it's been, I haven't played it since I rolled credits the first time on Dragon's Dogma 10 years ago, but The Witcher is probably a good comp as far mm -hmm. as the sword play and the, the casting and stuff. It, it's, they synergize really well and it feels good and it's mapped well on the controller. So uh, okay. if that's a little bit of a hook for you. Yeah. Give it, a, give it a go when it comes out, hopefully sooner rather than later. Sounds good. What else you got? Uh, well, we've talked a little bit about Bungie and that acquisition from PlayStation. This will be their first game that's exclusive to PlayStation, I'm guessing. Uh, Marathon, which I didn't realize was one of their first games that they released in 1992. So it's a remake of sorts. It's going to be a first-person shooter. It's got a very interesting art style uh, and... I think a lot of people are excited about this. 
very excited because uh, you know Bungie has this pedigree for that kind of game, and knowing that it's PvP focused means that I probably will be less inclined to check it out. But it's cool, I guess, just from like an industry perspective to see uh, PlayStation getting a, a, something that looks like it's going to be a pretty. Uh, it's a game that's going to stick around for a long time. Just knowing that it's Bungie, it's not something yeah, that's going to just come and go. It's going to move some units for sure. And yeah, like when when it first popped up, I remember I remember seeing Marathon. One of my friends' dads, when we were kids, used to play the original Marathon on uh, on their computer way back when. And I remember seeing it then, and it, then it was just out of my memory for for the better part of two <laughs> decades. And now here we are again in 2023 with this sort of follow-up the Bungie doing. And we only got to see a cinematic trailer, but man, this cinematic trailer was stunning. Like Bungie, their art team make cool more, like they, they do more cool things from an aesthetic standpoint than, than most studios do. Like they just know how to make things look awesome. And they've sort of really perfected that science fiction-y source where you're yeah. getting some some animation in here where there's, mixtures of muted palettes with crazy neon and bugs and AI and droids and all this kind of stuff going on. Like it is just super cool. And that's what this trailer was for me. It just oozed polish and it oozed like awesome it factor. Yes, we didn't see a second of gameplay, but the trailer was enough for me to get get hooked and get hyped and be very interested to see this game when it comes out in the near future but yeah pvp and slash pve mechanics in there so i wonder if they're going to be be dipping a toe in sort of some of that destiny based archetype there and broadening their wings but also keeping it familiar in that way from a bungee perspective but this is what playstation want to do this is one of the main reasons i feel Bun- yeah. they, bungee were acquired they want to get into that live games games of service type of model and bungee do it better than most so Here's the here's the first cab off the rank from uh, from Bungie and yeah I'm keen it looks stunning I am very 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 impressed by that trailer. Yep, it'll be cool to see. Uh, yeah, hopefully some gameplay the next time they pop up and show their faces. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully it's not a game that's going to come out in like 2027 or something. I hope <laughs> it's sort of a little bit closer as opposed to years to wait. But a game that we did get a nice chunk of gameplay was the plucky squire which is uh the little indie that could it feels like this indie has got a lot of hype and momentum behind it it's such a unique concept and this trailer just doubled down on that where you're you're transitioning between storybook into a real world house or living room or bathroom or you know just a, a living breathing environment the character models are great. The combat looks fun. The the puzzles and just the, the platforming looks fun and interesting. And it's just super, super smooth. Like I know I just mentioned Polish on that marathon trailer, but this trailer slash the mix of trailer and gameplay, super polished. This game looks fantastic. And I can't wait to uh, to jump into the world of the Plucky Squire, hopefully sooner rather than later as well, because it looks so good, JP. Yeah, it does. It's it's. It looks so fun. Like the two, it's got the two distinctive art styles from the two D on the page of the storybook to jumping out into a three D space. Uh, we we saw that kind of a little bit in like Mario Odyssey. There's like a level where you flick between the two D mm-hmm. old school Mario and the the three D version. Um, and 
there's probably been a couple other instances where it's been done, but none as stylish as this. It's 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 so uh, reminiscent, right? Yeah, it's distinctive and reminiscent of ch- children's storybooks in in such a fun way, and seeing some of those mechanics where you know you you strike the letters the, the words on the page and it changes the environment around you that's very fun and, and cool and and quirky um it is as you said a little indie that could i, I was kind of diving into this a little bit and seeing that the art uh, one of the, one of the main guys there was the art director on pokemon sword and shield oh nice and uh the other key figure at the studio is based in brisbane i actually saw him at pax at a Devolver Digital panel talking about, you know, how to pitch games to to a, a publisher like Devolver. So um, cool to see an Aussie... I, I, would, I don't know if they're an Aussie studio or just there's an, as an Aussie as a key part of that studio, but it's, it's cool to see that regardless. And um, I think Devolver might have another great little release on their hands. I think one. so. I think this game... From everything I've seen so far, it looks like it's going to be a hit. Like it will be one of those indies that just pop up. Like I'm not going to say out of nowhere because it's been showcased now for for 12 plus months. But I think once it is finally released, it is going to review well. It's going to play well and it's going to win a lot of awards because it's so unique. Uh, It's it's a pop-up book that's turned into a video game and yeah i can't wait to to run around with jot violet thrash and pip the uh the the, the lovable band of misfits jp the last uh the last piece of hype that came at us from the playstation showcase was the last one i want to talk about is arrowheads hell divers 2 this was great i think because not only is it a sequel to hell divers from 2015 but it's a completely different uh genre it's not common that you see this for a sequel to go you know the the first one was top down kind of isometric um almost kind of age of empires like moving around the screen uh of your hell divers as they battled the aliens and you sent them out on missions and tried to achieve your goals now we've got this full co-op action shooter it's 3d it's you know, it looks a lot more AAA. It looks like they took their profits from the first game and put them straight into making something bigger and better, which is is pretty brave to see. It's it's um it's not easy to switch styles and switch art styles and switch gameplay styles, and they've done it, and it looks pretty good to me. We'll see how it pans out, but um yeah, coming to to PS5 and PC this year that's a that's a good win for for playstation i think to get this one yeah it looked great like this is the second trailer of the showcase and it looked fantastic it started with this interesting cinematic where i thought is this another starship troopers game coming out of nowhere even though the the (laughs) rts game just came out what a couple of weeks ago or a month or so ago i'm like what more i'm not sad about it like sign me up to be part of rico's roughnecks let's go but it looked great. Uh, I haven't played Helldivers 1 at all. And yeah, I know there is some big differences and some creative changes here like you touched on JP, but I think they've done it all for the right reasons. Like this game looks awesome. Mm. I love this sort of third person shift from that isometric from in uh, Helldivers 1. And the fact that we've got some co-op action shooter reaction coming our way this year, like 
this is something I think you and I need to play together because it looks like it's going to be bonkers. The amount of variety in the various alien races that you're tackling across the galaxy, awesome. I like the the chaos. I like the violence. I like science fiction. I mean, like this was just like, they served me a bowl of this up and I was just like hoovering it down, big old spoonful after big old spoonful. Like, yeah, Helldivers 2 looks sick. Like, I cannot wait to play this later this year. Yeah, bring it on. That might be one of the rare times I get online to uh, to play with with some friends. Yeah, you're going to play Fortnite before this, but uh, <laughs> yeah, Helldivers 2 will be the next one. But we're going to quickly pivot straight over to this because it's bang on with the topic at hand. Tweet of the week. And this tweet comes by a way of at Xbox, and the tweet reads, what a good-looking group, sunglass emoji, and then what they've done is they've taken the uh, the art for 12 of the games that were showcased in the PlayStation Showcase and fired this tweet into the sun a matter of minutes after the showcase ended, highlighting, yeah, 12 or at least, you know, just under 50% of the games that were, were, were shown that they're also making their way to Xbox. And the biggest one that made me go, wow, is the fact that Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater is making its way to Xbox on there too. Can you imagine if Metal Gear Solid Snake Eater is day one on Game Pass where you've got to pay for it on Sony? Like, can you imagine that type of flex? Oh, yeah, that would be a that would be a very big deal. <laughs> yeah, but um, yeah, it's it's nice to see a lot of the games that we we've gushed about uh, here making their way to both consoles. So you've got a bit of freedom of choice there. But um, yeah, very very sneaky, very very clever mm. by by Microsoft or by Xbox. And as you mentioned before we recorded, it is a bit of damage control. It is a bit of uh, <laughs> look what we've got coming. Like look over there. Don't worry about Redfall yeah. and the other lack of exclusives right now. But look at all this stuff. Yeah, it, it's a bit like trying to steal PlayStation's thunder. Um, the 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 ironic thing I think is if xbox had held a conference today to show off all the great games coming to xbox most of them would have also be appearing on playstation <laughs> yeah um yeah you know obviously there are games that they're working on that are exclusives we're looking forward to hellblade we're looking forward to you know starfield and whatever else but playstation as we're about to discuss in uh, our overall views of the conference they held back a lot of their big time exclusives that we know they're working on so it was um yeah an interesting one i have to just kind of make a correction to myself i think i said talos principle was a exclusive and it and its sequel are both on xbox by the looks of it that's okay we we can't be right all the time jp the the listeners are very forgiving they know that we can be a bit fast and loose with the truth sometimes but we mean well But yeah, JP, what was your overall rating? What's your temperature check on this PlayStation Showcase? Like, this is the first big event they've held in a very long time. It is. Do you think they delivered? Do you do you want to do we want to rate it out of ten or a Metacritic score? Do we want to give it a letter? How do you want to score this thing? The metric is yours. I want to give it a letter. Um, I think there's two kind of judgments that I can give. One is the objective. Uh, you know the, okay so, so sorry i'll start again there's two kinds of approaches there's the personal what it does for me does it move the needle um does it excite me and from that perspective i give it a b minus we talked sure. uh, we've just talked about the games that excited us the most um probably a, a, a fraction of the ones that we talked about before that 
would be ones that I'm looking to actually pick up at some point. Um, but I think as an objective observer that just looks at the the diversity and the breadth of what was revealed, that was a lot of games. Um, and I think twenty five of the buggers. I, I feel like it was even more. I think I think there was. I, I heard something in the thirties, but maybe maybe. Maybe you're right. Maybe they're right. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter who's right or wrong. It's a lot of games, and there's something there for everyone. I think I'd give it a B plus overall. Um, and I've got reasons. Like, there's always people that will say it didn't do this, it didn't do that. We didn't see this. We didn't see games that we expected. I'll, I'll start with the negatives. Okay, we didn't see much gameplay footage. We saw some. No. We saw it for a few key titles. We saw it for Assassin's Creed and Spider-Man and a couple others. But most of the games, especially the new ones, we just got cinematic trailers. Um, We didn't get updates from the big anticipated projects that we know are out there, like Wolverine, like The Last of Us Factions. They were two things that people were probably most uh, hopeful of before the show, and we didn't even hear them mentioned. We didn't get a lot of exclusive releases. There were some, um, but as the Xbox tweet showed, a good chunk are also going to be coming to either PC or um, Xbox. And then we missed on seeing what's happening with some of the biggest PlayStation studios. We didn't see Naughty Dog. We didn't see Santa Monica, Sucker Punch. We don't know what Blue Point's doing. We don't know what Ben's doing. We don't know what Media Molecule's doing. We don't know what Housemark or Team Asobi or London Studio are doing. There's a lot that I think people were expecting to get updates on that just didn't happen. So they are the negatives of the show. And that's what a lot of people have focused on. But I think if you are going to be the glass half full kind of perspective, they revealed a bunch of new games for the first time, um, including studios that haven't had PlayStation releases before. So Haven... Haven's first game, we got to see the first Bungie release as an exclusive. They showed some really great indies, uh, including the you know the Night at the Woods and the Plucky Squire. Like some of that's new, some of it's not as new. Um, but giving a spotlight to indies at a show as big as this, I think, should be applauded. Uh, we got to see that you know the the new hardware with the controller and the headphones. A significant update on Spider Man Two, which is probably the biggest playstation game that's coming out this year and i think that overall whether or not those many many games they showed are exclusive to uh playstation or not they got them at their conference that means a lot of people will associate those games with playstation you know whether or not they follow microsoft or xbox on twitter and saw the snarky tweet a lot of people miss stuff like that they just see the ign version of the breakdown of what's coming out and they go oh i can pick it up i can pick up all these games on playstation there's a reason that they want to show these third-party games because you know there's a reason that call of duty signed an activision before they were purchased by microsoft would sign these big deals with with playstation to have the playstation logo at the end of the trailer because people will associate it with them and that's a win um, whether or not it goes on both consoles. So like having Alan Wake associated with PlayStation is 
not only a big win for PlayStation, but it's almost a loss for Microsoft because it has that history with the console. And I think a lot of, especially like the the hardcore like console wars, Xbox fans would be pissed about that because that's their game. You know what I mean? So the fact that we missed on a bunch of those massive studios that didn't show what they wanted to see as much as I wanted to see them, I think from a competitive standpoint, it kind of makes sense that PlayStation can hold those back as bullets in the chamber. They can wait until... Uh, yeah, TGS. You know, yeah, they, like they can wait for, for these big shows. Or, or they can be even more strategic and be like, um, we've got some bad news about to come out or we just released a dud game. Let's get the news cycle back on how great we are. Let's fill a gap in a quiet release window where we're not releasing anything for a couple of months uh, maybe microsoft's getting a bit of momentum let's show one of our games to kind of suck some of that away from them so i think like i i understand why they didn't show everything all at once because they managed to put on a pretty good show without having to do all of that so that's probably my uh glass half full take on what they put together it's, it's always weird to judge these things because you looking at it from the perspective as i said there's the what it does for me then there's the objective observer and then there's like the strategy behind maybe what they were thinking about hiding certain things that they haven't gone public with yet so that was that was my take i, I don't think it was the the huge l that some people said or that it was completely mid as some people said um could have been better but it was certainly not like a waste of time which Let's be honest, a lot of the times you watch these conferences and it feels like, okay, I could have just watched one or two trailers at the end and been just as happy. Yeah, I I will not say that it's mid. I will say as far <laughs> as my scoring metric, it was fine. You know, the, the THG or 8-bit means of measurement there where, yeah, if we're going to translate that to a letter score, it probably does fall, come into a B or a B minus overall. I think there was some some big swings and some big misses. I think Spider-Man and then closely behind it, the Metal Gear reveal were probably the the two MVPs and there was a bit of daylight and then there was mm-hmm. your Alan Wake and a few others. But then there was also some weird ones, like you mentioned, the over-reliance on, like, on trailers as opposed to gameplay was a little upsetting. I wanted to see a bit more gameplay, but then the gameplay that they did show was great. So it was sort of propped... Mm a lot like some of the some of the weaknesses were propped up by the strengths of certain demos that they showcase so there was some some good and some bad there there was some interesting decisions with like their project q handheld we talked about which i just don't understand <laughs> the, the the earbuds look cool but overall like yeah i don't regret the the hourish of time that i lost watching this there was some really cool things that got me hyped and like as the listeners would have just heard we've been we've been sort of deep diving on this showcase for the better part of 50 minutes and we've talked far more positively than negatively so overall i think it was a good experience sony have this stuff down to a fine art i feel that jim ryan could potentially double as a rich villain from taken or james bond though every time i see him on the screen i'm like i don't really trust you i get a bad vibe from you you seem a bit shady, but like outside of him, Sony, what they're doing for the most part is leading to success. Like they're outselling the Xbox like three to one. Like you can't debate the sales figures. The trajectory that the PlayStation 5 is on yeah. is extraordinary and it's great kit. And yeah, they didn't they didn't bring out all their, their heavy hitters for this showcase. Like you said, JP, because they didn't have to. 
They're yeah. so far out in front. It's like a defensive play almost. Yeah, like like they they just uh, played a safe game here. I think overall this presentation was safe. There was some some big moments. Some big moments are also nothing moments. Like that Metal Gear reveal was was great, but it was nothing in mm. the grand scheme of things. It was just a a pretty pretty trailer, but. Yeah, that's that's what people are going to get hyped for, and I'm still very much excited now to to move into the summer of gaming or the winter of gaming for us here in Australia, where we've got Game Fest and a whole host of showcases from Xbox and, and other notable developers and publishers. So it's going to be yeah. a good couple of months. We're going to be eating well for the next you know four to six weeks, and there's going to be a whole heap of reveals and things showcased that we're going to be happy about and confused about so uh bring on the next uh the next couple of months yeah for sure and i think people also lose track of the the strategy behind promoting your game like it doesn't make sense always to show gameplay the first time around it makes sense to tell people that the game exists and to give them an idea of the art style and then in the media release that follows, you know, we can announce the genre and, and whatever else. But, you know, think about like Death Stranding, the, the games that have the biggest hype behind them, they start with maybe a logo and then there's a little bit more. It's the foreplay, isn't it, Brendan? It's <laughs> yeah, like... but Kojima's a lore unto himself with that. Like he does these these reveals and slow burn showcases for years and years. Like, But he can get away yeah. with it because his name's attached to it. Where I think some of these other studios, it gets to the point where you're just like, Stop taking the piss and just show us something. Like, yeah. I get that you've watched a really great art house indie film and it's really impacted you and how you <laughs> want to present yourself, but come on, get to the punchline here. There's a balance. There's definitely a balance yeah, there to yeah. be found. And um, I think I think most games that have a high budget will go for that cinematic trailer first before they go into to gameplay. Sometimes we get both. You know, when um, Ken Levine's game, uh, Judas, was shown... Uh, earlier this year or last year um, we did get it looked like sprinklings here and there of uh, of, of some gameplay in there and, and that, that was a, a really great trailer but um, it leaves f- from that PR perspective it leaves another bullet in the chamber to go okay we've got a few more rounds to just continually build the hype until we're ready to, to do a deep dive and, and show a lot more yeah, no, I completely agree. But yeah, listeners, what was your feelings on the PlayStation Showcase? Hit us up on the socials or via our Discord with direct links in the show notes of the episode below because we'd love to hear from you. And uh, yeah, tell us your thoughts, good, bad, or otherwise. But if you don't want to wait until probably 2032 when Metal Gear Solid <laughs> Snake Eater comes out, don't worry because we got you covered. New releases and events. As far as other podcasts coming out this week outside of this episode of The Hungry Gamers, got another new episode of More Than Hentai, which we are going to focusing on the global juggernaut that is Attack on Titan. And I am joined by my good friend Sam, aka Quartz TV, on the Twitters. Uh, as far as the big screen, connecting that uh, that web thread, you could say, Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, coming to cinemas this week, JP. I am hyped as all heck for this one. It is going to be a hell of a ride. And then as games, we've got Shikari, A Colorful Tale, Company of Heroes 3, System Shock, the remake making its way to PC, Etrian, Odyssey Origins Collection, Killer Frequency, Skatebird making its way to PlayStation, Street Fighter 6 dropping on everything, Super Mega Baseball 4, and We Love Katamari Reroll plus Royal Reverie 
making its way to everything as well. So a huge assortment of games, both old and new, coming to the stores this week. That's a lot. Uh, Spider-Man's probably the thing that stands out the most to us, I'm guessing. Uh, I have to find some time to go and check that one out. It's uh, I'm kind of sick of watching the trailer, to be honest, because it's... Like it's every- everywhere. It is everywhere. Yeah. It's in Fortnite now too. Like the we've got a Spider-Man collab going on in Fortnite yeah. where you can get the Miles Morales skins and other things. I think it. I think it must be playing on Ko when I'm watching like the NBA playoffs as well because I I don't really watch TV. I'm just wondering where do I keep seeing it. So it must be that. Um, but I'm ready to see it. I'm ready to watch it and uh, be blown away because I'm sure that it will deliver if it's anything at all like the first Into the Spider Verse. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be a good time. I'm actually going to the movies on Monday as well to see an advanced screening of The Boogeyman, which is the new uh, Stephen King film making its way to the cinemas as well. So I'm uh, super keen to check that one out. That's going to be a good time. So uh, yeah, plenty of things to see and do this week and plenty of things to update you all on on episode 329 of THC. But JP... Thanks for stopping on by. Thanks for joining me here in the studio while uh, Miss Ali rests and recovers and keeps doing her thing. But we'll be back again same time next week for some more Hungry Gamers goodness. JP, anything else you want to mention or shout out before we get on out of here? Uh, no, just the spoiler cast. Check that out if you have played Jedi Survivor and want to hear a couple of guys chat all about things and forget characters' names. <laughs> It's a great listen. As I said, I, I listen to it front to back because I edit it and it's a fun, smooth listen. The first uh, you know, half or the first 33 minutes, if I can remember right, is spoiler free. And then after mm-hmm. that, it's full deep dives on the narrative and the plot points and whatnot. So if you haven't played it or if you have played it and you want to just get a get an outside influence on, on what other people thought and see if you're in alignment with that, check it out right here on the Hungry Gamers RSS feed. But yes... That brings us to the end of THG for another week. You can find myself on the socials at Brendan 8-Bit. You can find Jono at Jono himself. And you can find us all as a whole at We Are 8-Bit. But until next time, 8-Bit Nation, much love. Stay hungry. You've been listening to The Hungry Gamers, one of many gaming and geek culture-related podcasts from the 8-Bit Collective over on 8bit.net. Check out more episodes on your podcast service of choice. And while you're there, please be sure to rate and subscribe. Until next time, boys and girls, stay hungry. Stay hungry.